addictions, they come in when we don't know how to handle ourselves and our vulnerability. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you ask a person, why don't you just sit still and, and just smell the roses? They can't do it because they start to feel. Welcome back to Mindset Mastery. Today, I am joined by founder of the Break Free Institute, Pierre Lindgren, to explore voice dialogue and how our habits and behaviors are formed. Pierre helps people to gain a full understanding of all our different parts, what is really driving our decisions, and how to overcome addictions by treating the root of the cause so we can live a life of balance and happiness. Addictions can come in many forms, whether it's smoking, eating, social media, being busy, working out, and they often come about as a way to distract ourselves from having to be still. Pia breaks down what is going on when we turn to addictions and how to break the cycle by listening to what our body really needs. Pia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm really good and I'm so glad to be here. So thank awesome. you. Awesome. To start with, can you tell me all about the Break Free Institute and how that came about? Oh, It'll take a long time to give you the long version. So I do it in a very short version. I've always been wondering about life. How is it that we work the way we do? How is it that we act, we react and respond to life the way we do? What, what makes us us? And I've always had that deep desire to find out that, you know, since I was very young. And, and I've done, like many of us, we have done a lot of personal growth over the years. And I've done a lot of Eastern philosophy, psychology, metaphysics, you, you name it, I've been there, done that, like a lot of us have. But I always felt that there was something that was missing. There was something I didn't really have a grasp on. And I couldn't understand myself and the eating disorder I had when I was younger. I know that had I seen a doctor those days, like when I was a teenager, I would probably have been, or I know I would have been diagnosed with having a binge eating disorder. Yeah, I know that for a fact, because I could eat so much food since I was four years of age. I never understood why I was the one that was circling around, you know, the birthday tables and lollies and I would sneak food and, and had a lot of shame about it, you know, and, and not many people knew that I had a problem because at that point in time, I was not big. So no one knew. But how I came in to understand what is my big love now and what the whole institute is based on is a method that's called voice dialogue. And voice dialogue is a very silly name. I totally agree with that because people always ask if, oh, so you, you work with voices, singing voices. I said, no, that's not what I do. But voice dialogue was developed by two psychologists in the state called Hal and Citra Stone. They are based in, or well, they were based in, in California. Hal unfortunately died when he was 93 and that was last year. But they developed this wonderful method of voice dialogue. And it came about, they were both married to different people. 
and living in two different ends of the country. And Hal, he started to develop some other methods and working with psychology. He worked in the military and, and he opened up a center and, and was very in, innovative. And they got together, got divorced from their partners, got together and started to live together. They fell in love. And one day, because as you properly know, like many of us, we experience that we attract a certain partner into our life. And after a little while, when the love just fades away and it settles in to be a normal day-to-day operation type of thing, then suddenly we start to get irritated by them. All the things that were so cute in the beginning start to irritate us. And in the end, we just have it and we just say, that that's it. I'm having enough of you. Out you go. So we look for another partner. And lo and behold, somehow the same partner comes in just in a different body. It's the same traits. It's the same mannerism. It's the same thing that they do. And the very thing that attracted us to them now start to piss us off. <laughs> so... When we get annoyed with them, we shift them out again. In comes another partner, but it's the same. And what, what happened with Helen Sidra, it was exactly the same. They fell deeply in love. And after some time, it started to get like everyday living. They started to irritate each other and just like normal couples they do. And one day, Sidra was saying, Hal, when you do that, I could just, oh, hit you with a frying pan. It's so annoying. You're just like my ex-husband. There's a part of me that can just, that just want to knock you out. And Hal said, really? Why don't I talk to that part in you that wants to knock me over? And that was how the whole thing started. Mm. So out of them having a relationship between the two of them, they started to experiment at home in the way of, oh, I have a part in me that is really happy today, but I can also sense that I have something in me that's not so happy. And they found that there was duality to everything. So long story short, what they did, they stood on the shoulder of Carl Jung. And Carl Jung talked a lot about archetypes and there was different energies within the psyche of every human being. And voice dialogue is on the premise that when we come into this world, we come in and we just this vulnerable little child. And for us to grow up and function in the world, we can't be vulnerable because we won't survive. We have to make do in the world. We have to develop skills, both with in the practical sense, but also relationship skills. So when we are born, we come in with this beautiful soul. And, you know, when you look into a baby's eyes, it's like they're really there with you. They totally take everything in, both you and the environment, and they just look out. And then suddenly, if they hear a big bang, they get shattered and, and oh, they start to cry. They get scared. And in that moment, because they are now vulnerable and they physically feel discomfort, there is a self that's born within them, a vulnerability. They don't feel safe anymore. So when we grow up, 
whenever we have a crisis and whenever we we feel unsafe those selves that develops and what does that mean well i'll give you an example i was a small child with a, a father that didn't really like like people and he certainly didn't like small people like me and he traveled a lot he was an engineer and he traveled the world and small people they pick up energy very easily i don't know if you can remember that but we pick it up very easily and i knew that i didn't feel 100% safe around my dad i felt i was in his way and he was annoyed by me being around him even though i was a very quiet child in those days and where i'm from i'm from denmark that's why i have this funny accent everyone they all the adults they smoked indoors can you believe it they smoked cigarettes and pipes indoors and my dad he had the habit of having his cigarette lighter or his matches in the breast pocket of his shirt and he would always misplace it and one day he said where is my matches he was just about to light his pipe and or his cigarette and he was just about to light it and he couldn't and he tapped him his shirt and there was nothing in his shirt and in that moment i saw this little person that was only a couple of you know years old saw the matches on the coffee table behind the avas and i found it and i ran over to him with my small legs and i said here you go dad and in that moment i gave him the matches he started to smile he lit up like a christmas tree and in that moment a part in me wow whenever she's useful to other people she gets a smile and she's not in the way of the other person she feels that she's useful and she's wanted so in that moment i developed a part in me that's called the people pleaser and that's what i lived with all my life till i found voice dialogue So you know like an actor you know there's we 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 can say Meryl Streep she has so many different roles but when we comes back to her herself in the night she takes the makeup off and she takes the the wig off and she forgets the script and she becomes back to herself she becomes who she really is so just as she has many masks that she uses to express an energy a personality to get what she wants in her life just the same it is with us so every person has a handful of primary selves that we function out from mm. so the whole institute is based on get to know who you are don't just run and think you know that you are this person when you are many different person it's like when we're born it's like a a mirror that's shattered into many broken pieces and we will feel more and more fulfilled the more pieces we gather together and glue together so we have that piece of mirror again that can reflect who we really are that is really the aim of the institute and aim of voice dialogue So that's why I have called it the aim. Mm-hmm. How I found voice dialogue 
Well, first of all, I was so gobsmacked that I've never come across it because looking at self-help and psychology, meditation, mindfulness, you name it, I've done that, been there. And I was to marry a man some years ago that was my spiritual mentor, by the way. And he was Norwegian, I'm Danish, and I live in Australia. And we hooked up again after seeing each other, you know, when we were younger and whatever, and I got married in the meantime, then I got divorced. And how I found voice dialogue was by coincidence. And I'll just have a sideline. I don't believe in coincidences. I think there is a bigger energy out there that plays a bigger game than we can. And I was going to marry this man and I was so in love with him. I couldn't wait to marry him. And we got the immigration papers through the immigration department and everything. And he was, at that time, he was waiting for a stamp for the embassy, the Australian embassy in Thailand. And he was coming on the Saturday and I couldn't wait. I was so looking forward. Oh, here was my sweetheart coming to see me. I was so, and I was going to marry him. And on the Tuesday morning, just a few days before the, the Saturday, I woke up, you know, it's like what you see in the movie where you wake up <gasps> and I sat up in the bed and I knew if I married this man, it would be the end of me. I just knew. And I said, no, 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 he's coming. And I'm, I'm so looking forward. But my whole body said, no, this is going to be really bad for you. And, and, I, and, and I was so, wow, this can't, but it was so strong, Rachel. I can't tell you how strong it was. I've never had it. So it was really a warning to me, you know, and I've lived my life as a very conscious life for a long time. And, and I always followed my intuition, but this was almost too much because it was in the way of me living with my sweetheart yeah so I wrote to him he was still in Thailand at that time and I said listen I know you're waiting to get the embassy but this has just happened I have a feeling I shouldn't marry you and I'm just so upset and and he came back and he said listen Pia don't worry I'll come and we will talk about it you know this is we just have to talk about we can't just and and if it is still is like that well but then we don't get married but he was devastated and then on the um, Friday, so there was emails going back and forth between us. And he wrote me an email and he said, listen, you're obviously not enlightened. So I'm not coming. And do never, ever contact me before you are enlightened. Oh. And it was like, here was my guru, my beautiful man saying something that was not very enlightened. And I was in shock. I howled, the, the pain, I cannot tell you, was phenomenal. I cried all the tears that I have never cried in my life. And I couldn't understand it because it really affected me. I, I couldn't even eat. I couldn't, I just couldn't function like a normal human being. And I remember I stood one day at my computer and I knew that I had many tools that I could draw on, but I knew it was not normal psychology that I needed to, I didn't need therapy in the new normal way. 
but I didn't know what it was going to be. It was like I knew it was there, but I hadn't found it. And I stood at my computer in my office one day and I had some glass doors on my bookshelf. And I just looked up into the ceiling. I said, hey, universe, dear God, whoever it is out there that's bigger than me, just help me. I need help. I can't deal with this myself, this pain. I have to have help. And I just said the last word and I, I was to turn around and go out to the kitchen. And I noticed a book stick out in the, in the door, in the glass door. And I thought, oh, that's, that's a very strange because no one had been there. And I hadn't taken that book out and I took the book out. And it was an old book that had followed me for a long, long time. And it's called Absolute Happiness by, by Michael Rowland, that's his name. And I said, oh, that's funny, I've never written this, uh, read this book. I said, and I just opened them, the book up and my eyes fell on a page that said, if you need help, if you are in conflict and you don't know yourself, look into voice dialogue. And I read every sentence that he, and I've lived a very spiritual life myself, devotion to gurus in India and whatever have you, have you. And I read the text and it talked about exactly about the conflict I was in. So I rang up the office because it was Helen Citra that I talked about in, in the beginning. He wrote about them and the impact that voice dialogue had on his life. And he found absolute happiness by doing this method. And I got hold of their details, Helen Citra Stone, the founders of Voice Dialogue, rang their office. That was many years ago when they still had an office. And I said, listen, I'm flying over to California, book me in, I'll come. And that was it. I found voice dialogue. I did, I was got very curious about my own self and me. It was a very humbling experience because I thought I was very self-aware. <laughs> I had no idea who ran my life. I didn't know any of my parts. So I did voice dialogue for a long time and got to know my parts very well. Fell in love with it. People started to say, hey, well, well you have changed so much. What is it you're doing? So a facilitator here in Australia suggested that I took the training just for further my own curiosity about learning about myself and my own parts. One thing led to the other and I started to do sessions free for many years, learning the method, start to charge for it. Then the seminar came about and then, you know, I was invited around to speak about it and, and having groups around the world and now we have the Break Free Institute that's basically the umbrella of everything that I have learned in my life. And that's now taught to other people now. Yeah. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So what are some of the other parts that some of us would be able to identify with in ourselves? Well, we have many it's different from culture to culture, but we live in the West. So many people will be very identified by being either a people pleaser, one that pleases everyone, or the one that's more self-serving. And there was a very popular name that's been overused to a big degree, which is called the narcissist, a very self 
serving, yeah? And so there's other serving and self-serving. So it's all polarities. We can also be very identified with the addictive self that just want to check Facebook all the time or social media in other ways. And, and it just has such a draw to us. That's a part of us. It's not who we are, but it's a part of us. We have a self that's the inner critic and the, the vest has a lot of emphasis on being, you see, that little voice that sits on our shoulder saying, hey, you didn't do this proper enough. You could have done much better. It's the voice that can wake us up at one o'clock in the morning saying, do you know what? You could have said it in a very different way. You should have said it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's called the inner critic. When we have an inner critic, we have a very strong outer judge. So you can always tell if somebody is very judgmental with other people, you will know that they have a very strong inner critic themselves and, and there's a lot of havoc within them. There's also the one that's very busy, the one that we call the pusher. So it's like, oh, I just got to do this and I have to do this. And there's never any rest. It's all doing busy, 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 busy. And, and we have a lot of that around us, you know, and this is, yeah, a, a self that can drive us to heart attacks, basically. So that's a handful of, of them. And we also have one that's called the controller. The controller is the one that wants the husband to sit nicely up when he eats. It's the one that wants the kids to behave in a certain way, the boyfriend to look a certain way, and things has to be done in a certain way. So it's almost like an OCD way of being. It has to be done in a certain way. Otherwise, that self is really not happy. It's hard when we just run by a handful of selves because every self has an opposite. So for somebody that has, let's say, the self that's very busy all the time, always have to do something, checks email at 11 o'clock at night and, oh, I just have to do this. And they do many things that they multitask, yeah? yeah. But it's not very healthy for them because it will be very hard for them to slow down and just sit and be. They'll feel very uncomfortable doing that because every self that we are identified with is there to protect us from feeling vulnerable. And this is why there are so many different addictions around the place. So, you know, addictions, they come in when we don't know how to handle ourself and our vulnerability mm -hmm. and what do I mean by that well if you ask a person why don't you just sit still and, and just smell the roses they can't do it because they start to feel and they don't know what to do with feelings you know there's people that has sex addiction addiction there's alcoholics. We can be addictive to drugs, to busyness, to work, to being the perfect mom, the perfect dad. We can be addicted to having the most gorgeous body of all. We can be addicted to social media, media and having many likes. We can be addicted to other people. We can be addicted to fantasies. 
Well, what it really does is that when we are addicted to something, it takes us away from the present moment. So we are not living a full life. And, you know, this is why I say a lot of times, especially because I work with, with people with problems with weight, shape and food, and they're unhappy with their weight, let's say. They can't fit in their clothes and they don't feel good. They're not clear thinking. They're just not well anymore. And you say, well, just stop, stop eating. Well, why don't they just stop eating? They know with their mind that they have problems with too many calories in. So they go on a diet and it will last for a couple of days, maybe a week if they're lucky. And after the week, they say, oh, stuff it. I'm just going to have one bite. So they have one bite of a cookie and then the whole thing just crumbles, totally crumbles. So I don't know if you have any addictions, but... Do you know this addiction of wanting to overeat and have too much of a lovely chocolate cake? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. On one side, you just, oh, you just want to eat it, yeah? Uh -huh. <laughs> just want to eat it and scoff it down. And when that one piece is gone, I'll just have a little bit more, <laughs> yeah? And for yeah. people who have food problems, that is the indulger part in them that runs their life. On the other hand, to the same degree, there will be the one that really wants to be healthy and live a good life, not to get and you know diseases because they have been overeating. So that part will say, "Oh, I so want to. I really, really want to have a, have a nice life and healthy food, so I don't feel bloated and I can move around in clothes and everything." That will just make me feel better about myself. But when it comes to it, when something happens and, and the person that has been all the best intentions the whole day, they started Monday morning, today is the day, today is the day I'm going on a diet and something happens, they go to work and they just don't, it was a bad day at work. And when they took the public transport back home, there was no seats. And it's COVID times at the moment and oh, it's all bad. The first thing that comes to mind is the cake eater. The overeater says, listen, you'll feel much better if you have some sugar. Why don't we just swing in next to the, the petrol station? We just go in there. We will just buy an ice cream or something. You feel much better. So you see in the addictive cycle, there is about nine parts, if you like, archetype, eating archetypes that comes from when we feel the irritation, the sadness, or the discomfort of some sort. And all this is unconscious, but ooh, I just want to have something to eat now. And then suddenly they have stuffed themselves full of cake and rubbish, popcorn, whatever it is that there's been food. And they lay on the sofa like in coma with a remote control and said, ah, and the inner critic would then come in and say, what have you just done? Here we go again. You always say, today is a day. And look at you. You're just eating again. What's wrong with you? And then it's taken over by a fantasy self that says, oh, honey, it doesn't matter. It was just today you did it. 
Don't worry. We will start tomorrow. Tomorrow, do you know what? In two months, you will have lost enough weight and you can be in your bikini again. You'll feel so much better. And then tomorrow comes and nothing happens. The whole cycle starts again. Mm -hmm. And that is when parts, they run our life. So I want to ask as well, are we all born with all the different parts already in us or does it, like you said before, they are kind of born or come to light through different experiences that we have in our life? Yeah, so whatever culture we live in will shape what parts comes into us, what will be developed in our psyche. So there are certainly the universal ones and Carl Jung talked a lot about that. We all have different parts in us that is very universal like a mother is a mother a father is a father energy then we have a lover yeah it's a lover energy there would be a kind person has a kind energy and they have some characteristic and every self that we have and this is what is so important to to know is that every part we have within us has its own rules, its own beliefs, its own fears, its own motivation. So, you know, no, no wonder we're a little bit mad, all of us, because we have all these different parts, you know? Have you ever thought when you make a decision, hmm, who in me is actually making that decision? Mm. Most people think it's them. It's not, it is a part. <laughs> and this is why people don't find it easy to to manifest what they want in their life do you know when I get clients come to me and and they say oh I'm so in love I found this wonderful man I love him and I have this feeling that we are going to be together and then it doesn't take long they come back and they say I hate him and when I Talk to the part and say, hey, why can I talk to the part that really don't like him anymore? And I talk, they move over and I have a conversation because how we work with voice dialogue and in AIM, we actually talk to the part. So if you came to me and said, my partner is, I don't like him anymore. I'll say, okay, move over from where you sit right now, move over to either the left or the right. And let me talk to that part that don't like the partner. So you move over and I am trained as a facilitator in this method. I'm trained to follow this energy, this part. And my whole aim is to wake you up to what it actually feels. And do you know what? No one thinks about when they get together with a partner that there's parts enough that don't like that man or woman. So often when people, they break up, it's because the parts I was never consulted in, in the partnership to say, hey, do you like this dude? <laughs> they were never asked. So they have to hear, they have to be heard somehow and validated. So it often creates havoc in our life. Mm. Mm. We all have universal parts within us but let's say that I was born in a very Christian uh, in the Bible belt let's say in in the US I will have 
a part of me that was devoted to God and that was had the rules and the regulations of my church that I belonged to. I didn't grow up in a culture that was very devoted to Christianity. I didn't go to church. My family was not religious. They, they were working within the Christian value system and morals. So I didn't develop a very Christian part in me. Yeah. And if, if I lived in a household that was playing the piano all the time, it would go two ways. I would either develop a part in me that loved the piano too, that wanted to know how to play the piano, but it could also go the opposite, that I hated the piano and I would never play it. So we have the opposites operating within us all the time. So once we have an understanding of what our different parts are, how can we use that then to help us be aware and make decisions and possibly be more balanced in our everyday life? Yeah, I totally get it. I actually just did this with a, a client from, from Kentucky in, in US and uh, he has problems with eating. He's a psychologist himself and he is pretty big. Mm-hmm. And like he said, and I'm not going to do anything with, breaking the confidentiality or anything but he was saying why is it I am a psychologist I should know because I know how the mind works why is it I can still not say no to overeating and he was quite overweight and I said well why don't we talk to the part in you that don't want to give overeating up so he moved to one side and my job as a facilitator is to make him aware of why that part in him was there. And the whole thing for him was that he absolutely do not know how to relate to people other to boss them around. And he is so busy and so successful, but he has never time out. So overeating for this man meant that it was time out, the eating will calm his nervous system. And yet on the other side, his knees are going, he's too old now, his knees are are worn out because of the heavy body weight that he carries around all the time. And when I interviewed this, had a talk to this part that just want to live healthy, he says, I don't want him to have heart attacks. I really don't. He needs to eat healthy food because he gets so clear in the mind. He, he doesn't get up in the night and can't sleep. And he just sleeps through. And when he wakes up in the morning, when he has good food, guess what happens? He wakes up and he's clear. But when he eats all that stuff, it's not good. So now we had a little insight to both of these parts. And the work in voice dialogue is to find out, okay, How can you look after your vulnerability of having time out without the food? So now he knows that he overeats a lot because it's like when people, they have a cigarette, they go outside and they just have time out. It's their breather, if you like. They can suddenly just start to relax a bit. It was the same with him and the food. So when he came back into the middle, I said, okay, What can you do to have time out without your cake? 
And he said, oh, I never thought of that. I didn't even know that that was the underlying reason for my overeating. He said, oh. He said, well, I can just make, make a habit of when I'm home for the first 15 minutes, I just need to say hello to the family and just go into my study and just have time out for 15 minutes. And, you know, he felt so good in himself because now it was not his overeater that was running the show or the healthy one. It was him in the middle. So I used to use the, the word of being soul directed, not parts directed. Because it could be that one part wants him to go on a diet, but that's really just a part that's making that decision still a part. So the best way I can explain it is that imagine that you, as you sit there right now, Rachel, in all the parts you have and everything, your soul know what the best, what whatever is best for you. If you're very still, you start to get hold of your purpose of your life. And you start to make decisions that will serve you in your life that actually reflect your blueprint of your soul so imagine that you know that and we now call that part your soul your ceo of your company yeah so just imagine that for a little while and all the different floors in this company all the different offices Every office has a, a worker and a manager and whatever. So there's many, let's say, 100 uh, workers in this company. And every worker has a different job to do. And every worker has his own rules, his own job descriptions, his own fear. Can you imagine that if you're the CEO and you say, listen, I, I'm not in control of this. You, you just do whatever you want to do. All I know is that we have a job to do. We need to fulfill this order and it has to be done next month. Well, lo and behold, some of the lazy selves, they just sit with their feet up on the table. Some of them, they call in sick. So they don't even arrive at work. So they will sit there and some will get very, very annoyed because everyone is not pulling their load. So the controller in, in one of the offices start to yell and scream at everyone else. So the whole company is a havoc of chaos and there's just conflicts everywhere because the CEO has no control. So imagine another scenario that now, you know, every worker has its own job description. You know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, and you also know that there is a contract that has come in that needs to be fulfilled within a month. So if you know yourself and your company, all your parts, then you will say, okay, I'm going to call the shots here. I'm going to say, okay, we are not going to take a lot of holiday and sick days this month because we have a big order to fulfill. So you start as the CEO managing yourself and your life to the outcome that you want to have. And in the end, you, the CEO will have very happy employees because you have learned how to listen to them. So you take care of all your parts. They're not the ones that calls the shots, you are. 
you know those times where you know that you know that you know you're doing the right thing mm. Mm. you don't have any you, you don't have any concerns you, you you just know that what you want to do i just know that this is going to work that comes from your knowing your soul that doesn't come from a part Because if a part says, oh, I want to do this, I want to do this. And if you suddenly start to feel uneasy, it's because the opposite part in you has not been heard. You are not living a balanced life. Mm -hmm. So to answer your, your question of how can we actually live with voice dialogue, with all these different parts and live a balanced life, it's very simple. It's not easy in the beginning, but it's very simple. And it is to be aware of different parts. And then when you're aware of them, you call the shots. You say, hey, it's not time to, to rest now. This is why so many people, they're procrastinating over doing things. It's because they don't know themselves. So the biggest gift we can give ourselves, and I see that in, in the people that I work with and I've done for many years, you know, over different times with many different people, The ones that know themselves, they live good lives. Mm. And they don't have to go out there and find their purpose because they have found them. It, it, it emerges on the inside in a knowing. There is an inner knowing of what it is. So mm. listen to the parts, listen to what they say, and find out when we feel uneasy or scared or irritated, hey, what's going on here? and start to connect with that vulnerability within us that actually is really scared of living, scared of rejection, scared of being hurt. And that's our vulnerability. That is the very first self that's ever developed, which is our vulnerable self, our little girl or little boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a practice that you could recommend to help to tap into that CEO, into that soul, to be able oh. to listen to the different parts? You know, if it's, this is brand new, how do we start to be still and be aware of that? Yeah, I can certainly say one thing that's very sure. And that is, if you want to be still, there's a part of you that's shit scared of being still. <laughs> and this is why there's so many people that can't meditate. Because there's a part of us that think, oh, yeah, we're just going to do yoga or we're going to learn this meditation technique. But you see, there's a part of us that don't want us to stay still because then we start to feel. So the best thing and the very first thing to learn to live as a human being, I say that when we don't know ourselves, we are like a mammal, we are an animal. We come from lower mind, from the reptilian brain. And we react to life. If we are a human being, we start to know ourselves, and we go from reaction to respond to life. And we go more to the new cortex, which sits in the front of the, the, the brain, which is our newest brain that has to do with logic. So the best thing is, and what we have learned, unfortunately, we haven't learned to feel what's the truth of our feeling life, our emotional life. What's the truth of that? 
A lot of people don't even know what an emotion is. They don't know there's two different things. So it's emotions and feelings. People don't know what it is. Most people don't. So if we learn and are very honest with how we feel moment to moment and just say, ooh, actually, I feel a little bit anxious at the moment. I feel a little bit uncertain. Instead of going to grab the beer, the drugs, the food, or social media, sit still and just, ooh, what is going on here? What is it I feel? Wow. I actually don't feel all that good. And just feel the truth of that moment, how we feel. Because as we grew up, most of us has not been lucky to have very aware parents. So, you know, it is to take care of about our vulnerability as the most important thing and then hook up with people that live in our community where they do the same because it's very hard to do this work on our own. That They know now in new science that we have mirror neurons and they are super important. They had no idea that in addiction, it is so important not to fight the addiction that we have, no matter what kind of addiction that we have. We can never combat that alone. Now they know it's because we have to be validated from the outside and that is from other people. So there's community. The whole brain function really well when we are in communion with other people. So that means that we have connection with other people. And a lot of people, especially these days with social media, there's so many of us, use social media to feel that we are part of a community. It's not actually true, it's false, because we are dependent on how many likes we have. We are dependent on, did we get a smiley face? And we so often, if people are really honest and say, well, I posted this, oh, there was hardly any likes to it. We feel this, oh, we feel rejected. And that's the truth of that moment. And it's because we were not lucky enough to have parents that showed us how to deal with emotions when they come. So a little child can, and you, you will have seen this yourself and you probably remember that from yourself when you were a kid, you know, like we're out playing and then suddenly we fall and we scrape our knee and it's not so much that it hurts so much. We're more startled with it because it hurts. So we find mom and we cry and we cry and we cry. And mom takes up, up on the, the lap and she kisses the knee. I'll kiss it better, she will say. And we just sit there. Mom doesn't have to do much. All she needs to do is to hold us. And we feel heard, seen, acknowledged and validated. And when the child suddenly feel that ah, all the neural pathways now fires for safety. Ah, I feel safe. And guess what happened a minute later? Not even that long. Suddenly, boom, the child just hop off like nothing has happened, hops down and start to play like nothing has happened. They've forgotten they got hurt. It was only because mom in that moment could hold, could hold the space for them. 
So our whole aim, I do believe, is to hold a space for ourselves, be really kind to ourselves, learn about different parts. And there's many books to be read. There is, there's books about voice dialogue. There's books about eating archetypes. There's books about archetypes. There's so many different things. So it's just to think whenever I make a decision, the best thing we can do is who makes this decision? Who makes the decision that it's okay to eat half a chocolate cake this afternoon? Oh, that's my overeater. And they start to be curious. Why is it that I want to eat that whole chocolate cake? I don't know. Start to ask questions. And this is why it's so lovely to have other people to do this work with because we need support in it. Because it's very hard to get self-aware on our on you know just working on our own we speed it up when we are reflected in other people yeah mm. Mm, that's awesome how can people find out more about your work and the break free institute okay well we have the website that is our online home and that is www.thebreakfreeinstitute.com so they can find us there. They can find if they want to know about the eating programs that we run. It is breakfreeeating.com. But if they go to the institute, they will find different webinars and seminars about, you know, what is it to be a people pleaser? What is it to be having, you know, an inner critic? What is actually my soul values? What, what is that? Mm-hmm. What is it to have a toxic relationship? What is that? What is a good relationship? What is it to know about emotions and feelings? So we run these different courses so that they can take it out and um, get in contact with us. We are a good community. We have a lot of happy people and people are real. All parts are welcome with us because we are them all. And I'll just say one thing and I'll end up on this, that we can always say, and this is a good thing to work with as well, whoever pisses us off. So if we have a charge or somebody that really annoys us, it's because it is disowned in ourselves. It's our shadow side. So if I'm a, a very annoyed with people that lie a lot, it would be good to look into that because I might be too honest. I might to actually be doing a disservice or I lie myself a lot. Mm-hmm. So whoever we have a charge will always point the finger back to what we are disowning in ourselves, And that can be very confronting at times. It takes courage to, to really learn about ourselves and get more self-aware. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Pierre, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. To connect with Pia and find out more about the Break Free Institute, head to the show notes below. It was great to have your company for another episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember... We are only limited by what we believe we are limited.